promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? This is my country. Time for populism with a purpose. Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician, and she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. Good morning and welcome to the last Reimagine America radio hour of 2019. This is not just the last of the year, it's the last of the decade. Yes, Tuesday at midnight, we'll all hoist a glass of champagne and celebrate the end of the second decade of the 21st century. And at that pregnant moment, should we ask, And how far have we come? Not nearly far enough, ladies and gentlemen. Not nearly far enough. You know, I think the past few weeks, um, the show's gotten caught up in the um, craziness of uh, a whirlwind of impeachment, or as I like to call it, l'affaire Ukraine. And we got away from what this show is about, which isn't so much politics, because I'm not a politician. I'm a businesswoman. I want to get stuff done so that our children get a better education, so that when you go to the doctor, you feel confident about your ability to pay the bill, the quality of the care you're going to receive, and the quality of the ingredients in the medication that the doctor may prescribe. And all of these things at this moment in this country, all of these things which we kind of just assume are at risk, um, not in our control, um, stymied in the morass of, argument and people seeking advantage, infrastructure, infrastructure alone, our crumbling infrastructure could have guaranteed that this decade would end with 4% year-over-year economic growth. And by the way, it would have made our roads and our airports and our bridges and our climate safer. Um, more effective, more efficient, and less damaging. And yet, none of those things have happened. It's all been point and counterpoint. The purpose of a Democratic House of Representatives and a Republican-led Senate is not to bury legislation It's to find rational, thoughtful compromise that leads to a single goal. 
a stronger America, a more equal America, an America which is in which government is better, quicker, cheaper, smarter, less intrusive, and more encouraging of the kind of innovation that this country was founded on and that made this country the preeminent power on earth. But we're not there, folks. And why is that? I think that's as we look forward to our New Year's resolutions, the first thing that we should resolve to be better citizens, to demand more in service to us from our government at every level. Why is it, why is it that of the so-called developed democracies in the world or even undeveloped democracies in the world, the United States ranks 122nd in terms of the percentage of citizen participation in elections. Think about that for a second. We don't even make the top 100 in terms of national participation in elections. Why is that? Well, that's because we have an entrenched political class. I'm not going to say it's voter suppression or whatever. There's a lot of there's a lot of gerrymandering going on. Um, increasingly, in this country, the citizens are taking that problem in their own hands um, and passing uh, constitutional amendments similar to the one here in California, um, in which a so-called citizens commission is supposed to um, draw the districts, and the intent was to be blind to partisanship. But what we found when the districts were created in 2011 um, was that communities of interest, the Title IV of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, or is it Title VII, can't remember, um, that requires these communities of interest be contiguous, um, has created extremely interesting um, single ethnicity districts here in California, despite the best efforts of um, our uh, of the of the people who were behind the um, commission, the creation of the Citizens Commission. In most states, it's the state legislature, which is why a state like North Carolina can have a majority Democratic registration and a majority Republican congressional delegation because we gerrymander, because we create very strange and funny-looking districts uh, in which people get to choose, in which the incumbent chooses his, his electorate or her electorate rather than the people choosing who shall represent them. So if you've been a long-time listener, you know that I think there's a very simple fix to that. What if? What if? And here's the practical, you know, if, if we ran the country like we run a business from an efficiency point of view, and that was Woodrow Wilson's uh, intent when civil service was created, created in the second decade of the 20th century, but to take the best practices of government and apply them to a 
force of people who would advise the lawmakers and who would execute their decisions. Well, so what if, what if we just started, let's say, let's use California as an example. What if we started in the northernmost corner uh, above Eureka? And we just said, okay, everybody, let's count off from one to 750,000, because there's 750,000 people per district, okay? Let's just count off one to 750,000 in the smallest, um, and up, up north it wouldn't be very small in terms of miles because we are, um, uh, it, that's a less populous area. But what if we just counted off one to 750,000 without reference to race, creed, national origin, economic status, or any other consideration except that we are all citizens of the great state of California and the United States of America? And we said, okay, you 750,000 people, you are a congressional district. Now make it work. Would we end up with better representation? I think we would, especially as you move south from that corner into the more urban areas of California, you would have a greater mixture of industry and residents and home and and different ethnicities and different expectations, Um, and you would also, um, and, and again, you would force compromise in the candidates who were selected because they would be appealing to the majority of a diverse population. And if we did that across the country, I think we would get more um, moderate, centrist, able to see both sides of the equation, um, people representing us in Congress, and you would still have the statewide election of senators. We might be able to stop squabbling and start getting things done for the American people. I'm not sure about that, but I think the odds would be far better that we would, that the House would produce from that kind of a legislative body, the House would produce more compromise, more centricity, more central, more more accommodating or accommodated legislation forcing the hand of the Senate. And that's a possibility. While we look at the beginning of the third decade of the 21st century, have we, in the first two decades, done anything, for example, about gun control, despite the fact that even the majority of members of the NRA believe we need stronger uh, background checks um, and waiting periods and red flag laws, et cetera, not to affect the fundamental Second Amendment right to bear arms, but as Judge Scalia said in his decision uh, that started all of this, um, that, that there is a, a fundamental need, especially in urban areas, to legislate and and have some level of control in the firearms area. So do you think if there were less gerrymandering and more 
broad citizen um, representation that we might have in the last 13 years since Sandy Hook have achieved a better level of, um, of gun control that would have ended with, we'd end this decade with fewer mass violent attacks on innocent, unsuspecting people. And we'll be back with more Reimagine America after this. You're listening to Reimagine America. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy. And we're back. Um, Infrastructure. We were promised in the 2016 election a huge effort to rebuild the crumbling infrastructure of the most powerful nation with the biggest economy in the world. Were we not? Have you been watching the TV news the past couple of nights? Have you seen... Um, roads closed. The grapevine in California was closed uh, earlier this week. It will be closed again tonight uh, due to snow. Um, <clears throat> it's not that high a pass, folks. It is steep. It is a steep climb um, through that mountain pass, but it's not that high uh, where you would expect it that road to close, and yet You know, we've not done what needs to be done to improve that highway so that it is an all-year highway through the most traveled route in the state of California and the fifth richest nation in the world. And you know what infrastructure? Fixing those roads, if you saw all the the slipping and sliding in in, um, the Rocky Mountain states on television last night, there were some incredible thunderbenders. There was a 63-car pileup in Virginia. All of these are due to overcrowded highways that are not, um, were not designed for uh, what's become more normal in our winters in terms of precipitation, level of precipitation, and also the amount of, you know, whether it's rain or snow. We need to rebuild our highway system. It was built in the 1950s, folks, and we've been patching it ever since. So we need to apply 21st century technology. If we want to have a less carbon, if we want a more carbon neutral uh, world, then we've got to take a leadership position in, um, in doing... In, in rethinking roadways to accommodate non-petroleum-based cars. And yet, despite all the talk in the last five years, have you seen any activity? Have you seen a major renovation of a major airport? Now, they did put some lipstick on the pig called LaGuardia. They, they did some work on the terminal. 
so it's got you know a, a more marble and more little shops and stuff. Uh, it looks less like a, a third world ra- rail station, um, but when you comes to the basic infrastructure of runways and tower and the ability to get lots of short haul flights in and out of there in a timely fashion, the flights keep mounting up. But we've done nothing to fundamentally bring that airport or any airport, SFO being a really good example, if it, if it rains for two hours, it causes delays uh, at, at San Francisco because the runways get overrun with water. Um, we've done none of the things that make a third, make us, make the most powerful nation on earth the one indispensable nation still, despite some current efforts to make us more dispensable, we've done nothing to encourage our communication with the world through infrastructure. Modern airports, modern railways, you know, it would be lovely if we could all get out of our cars and ride really good rapid transit, and yet... 20, 30 years after we started down that path in Washington and San Francisco, the, you know, et cetera, in Los Angeles, et cetera, we're still looking for an answer. The answers are out there. We need government to set the goal, not to prescribe the solutions in full detail, to set the goals, to find a fundamental way to fund an infrastructure bank, and I still think I had the best idea, but it's too late now. Um, but you can read about it at reimagineamerica.org. Um, we need to, we need it. We need fundamental reform of our infrastructure. We need sustainability in our infrastructure because we need to recognize that we are experiencing a degree of climate change. No, the United States of America, if it, if it went to the Green New Deal, would not solve the world's problem. But we could contribute enormously to the solution to that problem by releasing the innovative spirit of America, uh, the entrepreneurship that beats that is the fundamental heartbeat of this country on the sol- on the problem of 21st 22nd century infrastructure looking forward and yet congress is m- bogged down in partisanship in scorekeeping and in um oh let's call it a spade partisan warfare at the expense of the American people. And at the expense of the American people is, <clears throat> is where it really is when you look at a $1.4 trillion deficit this year. And while the Iranians, the Russians, and the Chinese staged war games this week, we talked about reducing the size of our Navy. While China engages with South Korea and Japan in their security concerns about um, 
North Korea, we talk about reducing our presence in the Pacific region, both from a national security and an economic point of view. We can't afford to do that. But you know what? We also must fund the social safety net because 50% of our federal spending covers Medicare, Social Security, uh, Social social Security disability payments, uh, veterans' pensions, and the like. That's what we call mandatory spending. Doesn't matter, you know, we don't kind of budget for it. We kind of make a big round number that says, oh, we think it's probably around this. And that is half of the federal budget today. $1.4 trillion of that federal budget is not paid for. So if you are an older person or you are a younger person who is thinking about Medicare for all, then you need to stop thinking about Medicare for all, one, because Medicare is not a free solution. Um, Medicare is an entrenched part of the existing American health care system. And two, because we cannot afford it unless we resolve some of the issues of chronic deficit spending that were predictable in 2010. If you want to summarize it, since 2010, the entire second decade of the 21st century, we've gone backwards in terms of the goals of the Simpson-Bowl Commission, which was to reduce the deficit to zero in a decade. We've gone backwards. They're the biggest deficits ever. Congress, because everybody's worried about position and power in the 2020 presidential election, has taken the ceiling off the national debt. There's no ceiling anymore. But, yes, there is a ceiling, ladies and gentlemen. There's a a ceiling, and and despite the the incredible growth of the stock market um, in in the great year-end numbers in the stock market, the fact is that, the Federal Reserve has done a lot to keep this economy going along with low interest rates. But we are now reaching a tipping point in which buyers for our debt are bulking at the low interest rates that are attached to our treasury notes, which means that at some point in the not-too-far-distant future, the Fed will be forced to raise interest rates in order to make our treasuries more attractive to foreign buyers like, yes, knock on wood, our neighbors to the north, Canada, but um, but the biggest buyer of American debt, China. And when that interest goes up, the interest on the debt will consume an even larger part of the federal budget and it becomes a kind of revolving door. And yet, have you heard either President Trump or any of the Democrats, other than Elizabeth Warren and her unconstitutional wealth tax, talk about a rational solution to debt? No, they talk about, oh, we're going to give you more money for this, we're going to give you universal 12 weeks of leave, we're going to give you free health care, no deductibles, no nothing. Hey, Medicare has deductibles, folks. Big ones. 
um, if you watch television, they annually tell you you need to buy a supplement. And, and, and we keep going with this spiral of let us give you more goodies so you'll vote for us, knowing full well that, that they're jeopardizing the full faith and credit of the United States of America. There is a point at which we're going to have to make some really painful choices. And so, you know, I have railed about the Democratic presidential nominating process. I've railed about it. You can read about it at reimagineamerica.org. You can find it at ricochet.com. I just think it's a process of pygmies when, in fact, there are these really big and fundamental problems. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor or you're middle class. All of us are going to feel the impact of debt, deficit, failure to lead in the world, um, a breakdown in uh, civil discourse domestically, um, and 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 all of which contribute to why. We are 122nd in percentage. And we'll be back with more Reimagine America after this. You're listening to Reimagine America. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy. Okay, so I think I've beat the dead horse that says you need to take a more active role in demanding a better future for all Americans from a government that is more concerned with its own uh, privilege um, than it is with your long-term best interests. And, And I say that whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, or like me, an Independent. You know, I think balancing the budget is is a hugely important thing. And if we'd gotten on the stick with infrastructure, infrastructure alone could have driven 4% growth, which if we were careful about spending, would have begun to reduce the deficit significantly if we had not dropped... Um, the tax rate so significantly in the 2017 tax bill, um, we would have increased income according to the tax institute by $981 billion this year, would have, which would have reduced that deficit to half a trillion, a much more manageable number. The choices are out there. The solutions are out there. I can think of a wonderful world in which people could get around cities without being stuck in traffic all the time. If only we'd release the entrepreneurial spirit of America to get this done. I mean, beyond Elon Musk, who is thinking about Hyperloop from New York to Washington, D.C., underground. Um, But without a Congress willing to work for us instead of 
themselves. I mean, the constant pursuit of campaign funds and the constant pursuit of um, further and further division to ensure their own seats, uh, we might actually be able to govern the country. And so as we leave the second decade of the 21st century, I'm going to look forward in the fundamental belief that within this country, there are those with the vision and the leadership skills uh, to help us to overcome both our legislative issues and even some of the internal divisions. I mean, if there were less income inequality, there would be less violence and less uh, of this, less racial tension in this country. And on that note, um, you know, we all need to stop for a moment and think that we've had 19 anti-Semitic attacks in New York and New Jersey in just the past couple of months. Symptomatic of the same kinds of, of um, social and civil illness that had their origins um, in Germany in the 1930s. We're better than this, folks. We are better than this. And I fundamentally believe in us. So in 2020, Reimagine America's Radio Hour is going to focus on looking for facts, folks, so that you can form opinions. And it's going to look for solutions, not politics, but solutions that really would move us forward. We're going to talk about healthcare innovation and educational reform and how I, I'm, I don't know anybody who's, you know, we, we need to figure out a way to get infrastructure moving. And on that note, I'm going to wish each and every one of you a happy new year. And repeat what I said last week, which is this really is the last uh, live um, radio hour on San Francisco's uh, Salem uh, network uh, station, <clears throat> AM, um, AM 860, the answer, and you will find Reimagine America in podcast form at ricochet.com and C-Suite Network, Radio Network, Dot com beginning in the second week in January will be off until um, January the 5th. So I wish each and every one of you the happiest, healthiest, prosperous, and indispensable American New Year. And we'll look forward to talking with you in 2020. listening to Reimagine America. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy. Can any of these candidates, smart as some of them may be, experienced as 
Joe Biden is, clearly. Can any of them go toe-to-toe with President Trump on a debate stage in a campaign which is likely to resemble a WWE fight night? No, no, none of them can. No, absolutely not. I, I thought that was really clear last night. Just in that quick skit. Um, hey, it's clear if you watched for five or six minutes um, of, of the debate. So, you know what? And, and the funny part is President Trump has said he doesn't want to debate. Which I believe in this situation would be in his favor. Absolutely. So. Unless, unless he goes up against Andrew Yang. Um. They are talking. That's like that's like saying you'd need a translator. I mean, the language that they speak is so different. Um, their view of the world is so. You would actually need a cadre of translators. Which, by the way, I don't think that would be a bad idea. I I don't know that we need translators exactly in the in the Yang Trump thing. We would. But in general, you know what I would like to see is a truth ribbon. You know, the the um, Pinocchio guy at the Washington Post who gives, you know, out one to four Pinocchios depending on how little truth there is and what a particular politician says at a particular moment. I just think there should be this ribbon running um, that, that gives you the historic fact um, that, that the particular politician at that particular moment is trying to manipulate in pretzel form. But that's a personal, you know, again, that's a personal preference. But I'm going to vote for fewer debates, less hypocrisy, and a modicum, a modicum of gutsy leadership to at least hold the current president in his bid for re-election feet to the fire to deliver on both the economy and other um, national security and national um, and and global future priorities. And on that note, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we'll all look forward to February 3rd when the voters get to chime in for the first time in more than a year. On a blessed New Year to all of you. Wait, what, what's, what's the vote coming up? The Iowa caucus. Oh, yeah, that's right. See, that's the right. Super Bowl is on the 2nd. The Iowa caucus is on the 3rd. And the president is scheduled to deliver the State of the Union on the 4th of February. Now, Wow, I, I what asked, a jam-packed three days of entertainment that's going to be. Uh Yes, indeedy. It will be. Any predictions? Let's make some predictions. 
Oh, I can't predict. I mean, do you want me to predict the I'll, Niners okay, in the you know Super Bowl? What? You know what? I'll, pre- I'll make some predictions. I'll, I, I'll predict the Niners in the Super Bowl. Against I, against who, the Patriots or the, or the Ravens? I, I would hope the Ravens. I think I think that I don't think Brady's got it this year. Um, I, think, I think it's I, I don't be... think I think it's it's going to be a mastery of coaching and a, and defense. It's not going to be um, it's not going to be a super blowout um, offensive instrument. Although there would be a kind of of settling of the question: Should Garoppolo face um, Tom Brady? But but I I mean he got when the when the chips were down yesterday there were a couple of passes I was really um, I I thought he he played a good game but I'm still going to tell you that John Lynch is a genius because he has a, a a quarterback with a limited skill set I mean he's a great pocket passer but you know um, but but he has surrounded him with the most able receiver core that money could buy. So, go Niners. That's my first prediction. Do I want to predict anything else in in Iowa? In Iowa, I just don't know. I mean, we could all be surprised. I mean, the prediction is, the prediction is, okay, and and then we'll listen to what you would predict. Um, The prediction is that the top two polling favorites in Iowa will not win the Iowa caucus. That it is quite possible, based on history, that somebody like Amy Klobuchar um, could actually do what John Kerry did. She's sitting in the John Kerry position right now um, and and take it off. Or that Michael Bennett could show up being um, with a much... Who? Michael Bennett, the senior senator from Colorado. Oh, I thought he was... Isn't he a lineman for the Patriots? There is one, but he spells it differently. Oh, okay. He, uh, there's a Michael Bennett running for president? There is a Michael Bennett who do, is... Do the people in Iowa, do they do they know the difference? Do they, the, do they even know that there's a Michael Bennett... Oh God, yes. Are you sure? Oh God, yes. He's been he's been spending a whole lot of time in there. He's been library. spending all his time in Iowa, apparently, because no, I haven't heard of him. Um, um, um. No, you, you. He actually does make occasional Sunday news program appearances. He is the former Secretary of Education. Um, he comes, I believe, out of the energy business in Colorado. Yeah, and, he doesn't have a shot. In any case, he's a really interesting. He's an interesting study. His father is from a um, old line family that's been in the United States since the Mayflower, and his mother is a Holocaust survivor. And if that doesn't give you a boom <laughs> in your life, um, in any case, I, I think he's a guy with a lot of uh, w- with a tremendous amount to offer. But um, in the WWE that will be this campaign, it would be. It wouldn't even be pretty. So all I'm going to say about Iowa is I don't think that the polls really right now mean all that much in Iowa. And we'll see what happens thereafter. And we'll be back with more Reimagine America after this. You're listening to Reimagine America. 
For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy. All right, and we're going to get right back into our predictions. 50-50 odds on what? That, the that it's going to happen? That the State of the Union is actually delivered on February 4th. Why wouldn't it be? Um, because we might be in the middle of an impeachment trial, and, and he might decide that's he doesn't want to do it. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the State of the Union will, will happen. Okay. I think uh, Buttigieg will take Iowa, but he won't win the uh, nomination. And I believe the Super Bowl will be Packers and Ravens. And the Packers are going to win. I think that's an interesting prediction. I, I could, I can buy the Ravens part. I can even buy, you know, the likelihood that the Niners will not be there. But I, I just don't see the Packers this year. One of us is going to be, you know, here's the good part. One of us is going to be right. One of us is going to be wrong. We could both be wrong. That was what I was just well, about. To, uh, well, that was what I was thinking and about to say. Except for the the uh, State of the Union, that could go. That's either got to go one way or the other. Well, he's accepted. Oh wait, are, are we both predicting that it's going to happen? No, I'm. I'm. I'm saying I. Okay, so on that one, one I'm of us gonna is going to be right. I'm going to predict that that um, that there will be some twists and turns between now and February fourth. That. It may or may not happen. But Nancy very efficiently sent out the letter and the White House very efficiently responded that that was a good date. Yeah. So it's happening. So it, at and this she moment. Didn't even, what happened last year? She didn't even give him. An, uh, didn't she postpone the, the invitation? Well, yes, she invited him. Then she postponed the invitation because there was a government shutdown. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so now they've decided that regardless of whether or not he is doubling down on his Ukraine uh, interference. Uh, oh, of course. That, you know, violates other 50-year-old laws, that regardless of the fact that, that this abuse of power is what he is being uh, impeached for, that he's going to double down on that or shut down the government. I, I you know. Like, like, you know, here's the one thing I'm really sure of. That, unfortunately, Tim Miller is correct. And this is going to be, this presidential general election will be like a WWE match. The 20s. We're coming up on the 20s. We are coming up on the 20s. Can Isn't that you, crazy? Can you imagine that we are in now the third decade of the 21st century and we still have an early 20th century government. And we're going to spend a whole lot of time next year talking about how we could actually overcome that craziness. The Roaring Twenties, they're back. The Roaring Twenties are back, but I don't know. It feels like we just had Y2K. Uh, yeah, I can remember it well. <laughs> I was there in front of the state legislature saying, oh, yeah, it's going to work. It's going to work in my hands. My fingers were crossed under the table. Um, and, yeah, I, I remember it well. Um, I will say that that um, this last decade 
has been um, has not been one of the great progress. Um, we also have been at war longer than any time in our national history without an end. Um, the president's planning now to reduce the level troop level in Afghanistan. Um, and it appears we've tried every type of solution um, except the rational one, which was the one we began with um, in a book called, and if you want to read about how we began there, it's a book called um, uh, Horse Soldiers, out of which a movie was made, but they changed the name of the movie, and I can't remember what it is right now. But in any case, yes, we are into the Roaring Twenties, so um, you may be time to get out that flapper outfit again. Um, and I don't know if I can even remember anymore how to do the Charleston, but I guess we could all relearn it. And that's it. Happy New Year. Subscribe to the Reimagine America podcast at reimagineamerica.org and ricochet.com. Email Joyce at Joyce at Reimagine America Radio. Follow her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy, all one word. And you can follow the show at Reimagine Radio. This has been Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Take a minute now and go to www.reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum, donate, tell others, and sign up to receive future podcasts. That's reimagineamerica.org. And join us again next week for Reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.